those of you who don't know me, my name is Tara Maloof, and I'm the community life pastor here at Wellspring. I am so glad that we could all gather here together tonight. I want to start tonight with a story. So a long time ago, before I was an Anglican, I used to frequent liturgical churches on certain days of the year. You can probably guess some of them on Ash Wednesday, Good Friday. I didn't really even know what this Monday, Thursday thing was. Sometimes I'd go Christmas Eve and sometimes Resurrection. Um, And then on one Ash Wednesday, when we lived in Seattle, I invited a friend of mine, Kristen, to come with me. Now, Kristen is from a non-denominational background, so she was a little bit skeptical, but also very curious, and so she said she would come. And she also brought her four-year-old daughter with her. And have you ever met a kid who is an old soul? You know, they're deeper than their years imply. Well, that was this little girl. From the moment she walked in that church, she had her eyes wide open, looking for Jesus. She sat between me and her mom, and every once in a while she would tug me on, the sh- uh, on my sweater and say, is that Jesus? She did it when the pastor walked in. Is that Jesus? She did it when the person lighting the candles walked in. Is that Jesus? At one point, she even pointed to the... Um, the covering, the napkin, or the cloth that was covering the bread and the wine, and she looked at me and said, is Jesus under there? (laughs) That was a little tougher to explain. Um, But all the way through the service, she just kept saying, is that Jesus? At the end of the service, her mom and I talked a little bit about the the meaning of the ashes, we were enjoying the beauty of the church, and everyone was leaving. I'm pretty sure we were the last ones to leave, And as we were finishing up our conversation, all of a sudden we hear this little girl exclaim, oh, there you are, Jesus. Well, needless to say, Kristen and I stopped our conversation and we looked in the direction that she was pointing. And my little friend was pointing um, to an older man, the custodian, who had come out and was doing the unnoticed work of cleaning up after everybody had left. Oh, there you are, Jesus. Maybe some of us come here tonight because we're curious. Maybe we're here because Monday, Thursday is always something that we do. And maybe some of us are here because we're trying to lean into this thing called Holy Week. But my hope is that we all come in like my little friend looking for Jesus. And maybe by the end of the evening, we'll get to see him. The writer, John, the writer of the gospel that we just heard, begins that masterpiece of a book by saying the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And now as we turn a corner in Jesus' story, John shows us again this word who's become flesh, but but in a new way. See, the first 12 chapters of the book of John included a lot of crowds around Jesus and his disciples, right? And we experienced that on Sunday. We were that crowd. We were out there waving our palm branches, singing. Um, But here in John 13, Jesus knew that his hour had come. So he gathers his disciples close together, kind of like we are in this room right now. He calls them his own. He leaves the crowds outside and he focuses on feet and food. Theologian N.T. Wright says, when Jesus wanted to explain to his followers what his death would mean, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal on the one hand and a dramatic action on the other. 
I'm going to let Billy take care of the meal tonight when we come for communion. And tonight, in the next few minutes, we're going to focus on that dramatic action. So we're invited tonight, just like those first disciples, to lean in, to watch, and to listen, and maybe say with my little friend, oh, there you are, Jesus. As the night unfolds, we're going to see that the theme at the center is love. See, Jesus shows us in the flesh what we read in 1 Corinthians 13. Tonight, Jesus wants to see him in his love to the end, in his power that chooses love, and in the pattern of love he calls us to live out. But first, would you pray with me? Jesus, would you open our eyes and allow us to see you afresh, more deeply, or in a different way tonight? Amen. John tells us Jesus loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. To the end. It gives us a timeline for sure, right? The events of tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, and of course on Sunday. But that phrase also holds intonations of the extent of that love. Jesus is about to take love to its uttermost end. His love has been placed on his own, which of course talks about his disciples, but did you know it talks about us too? We are his own. We are chosen, we belong to him, and we are loved. The story of the love of God begins, well, you know, in the beginning, at the, at the beginning of scripture. God places his love on human beings. Then he places his love on this wandering nomad named Abraham. Then he places his love on a wayward nation and he continues to be faithful to that promise of love. To that nation of Israel in the book of Jeremiah, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. But in spite of that love, there remained the problem of humans resisting that love and we call that sin. And so on this night, even as all the powers of sin, death, and evil are rising up against him, Jesus carries that long history of the everlasting love of the Father. And it's like he's saying to us, watch me. I will take love to its uttermost end. We know the uttermost, enduring betrayal, mocking, beating, and finally the cross. But we're going to leave that for tomorrow. For tonight, we gaze upon this picture of God placing his love, sticking his love, I always like the word, adhesiving his love to them, and this applies to us too. And there is nothing that can dislodge that love from us. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, the love of Jesus will assuredly endure all the strain that can ever be put upon it. Tonight, Jesus invites us to see the full extent of his love for us. And perhaps in seeing his love to the end, we might say with my little friend, oh, there you are, Jesus. In John's gospel, in chapters 13 through 17, proper theologians call that the book of glory, Tonight, I want us to think about it as this gather round, come close, I've got some things to tell you section, where Jesus speaks the word love 
31 times. In these hours before his death, these words will ring repeatedly from his lips, but Jesus does not start with spoken words. This passage reminds us that Jesus knew who he was and where he was going. We're told that Jesus was given, pow- given all things under his power. So what does he do with that power? He gets up, he takes off his outer clothing, he wraps himself in a towel, he pours water in a basin, and he begins to wash and dry his disciples' feet. Some commentators point out that the job of foot washing was so demeaning that it was not even given to Jewish servants, but was only reserved for Gentile slaves. Whether or not that was always the case, to wash another's feet was for sure a posture of inferiority. And yet Jesus chooses this. We know he isn't inferior, and in our passage, so does Peter. In Peter's outburst, we experience really the shock of the moment. Imagine for a minute, you're awaiting the glory of God. You've just come through Jerusalem. You've waved palm branches. You're watching for some amazing, powerful event that this king is going to do, and instead you find him at your feet, washing them. What would your response be? Peter speaks for us all when he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? For Peter, it was inappropriate and scandalous, and I think probably embarrassing, that this holy one of God, this king, would lower himself to perform such a menial act of service. And let's think for a moment of whose feet Jesus Jesus washed. Judas, his betrayer. Peter, his denier. And all the other 10, friends who abandoned him. No one gets left out. Not even us. He knew who they were and he knew what they were going to do. And yet Jesus, this word made flesh, in his moment of glory, lays down everything. He he takes his power, he chooses love. He kneels down and becomes a foot-washing slave. Jesus shows us in the flesh, this is what it looks like when God becomes king. In his power that chooses love, perhaps we can say with my little friend, oh, there you are, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He puts his clothing back on and returns to his place at the table. And we here tonight, along with those first disciples, hear that this grace is not reserved solely for them. They and we are to pass this gift along He gives us a pattern of love to follow, to imitate the master in his serving others and his lowly posture. Did you know that Maundy of Maundy Thursday means command? It's the command to love, first in the form of humility that we find in foot washing. Now, we know that this foot washing of Jesus's is more than just foot washing. It also represents a full cleansing that is coming. But we're going to save that for tomorrow and for Sunday. Tonight, let's stay with Jesus in the unfolding of this story. Jesus says, For I have set you an example that you should do to each other as I have done to you. 
Did you know that in our first Corinthians passage that was read, Paul is writing to a church that's arguing over greatness. And he says at the end of chapter 12, but I show you still a more excellent way. And then in chapter 13, he tells them what love looks like. See, Paul follows the pattern of what Jesus is doing here in the foot washing. Because love is not just to remain intellectual in our heads, it's to come out of our hands. And I'm gonna tell you all a secret tonight. When we say, let your word always be on our minds, upon our lips, and deep in our hearts, I always add a fourth phrase. Under my breath, I always say, and on our hands also. Because I want the gospel to come out of my hands like it came through Jesus's. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to say to his disciples that night, because he knows the secret of the kingdom of God, that every little act of foot washing, every act of self-giving love done by his followers points to his ultimate act of self-giving love. The pattern of love points us to the cross, but we'll save that for tomorrow. For tonight, we can see that every act of foot washing can become a place where the world can experience his love through us and say with my little friend, oh, there you are, Jesus. So I started with a story. I'm gonna end us with a poem that's actually a prayer. Great God, in Christ you call our name and then receive us as your own, not through some merit, right, or claim, but by your gracious love alone, we strain to glimpse your mercy seat and yet find you kneeling at our feet. Then take the towel and break the bread and humble us and call us friends. Suffer and serve till all are fed and show how grandly love intends to work till all creation sings, to fill all worlds, to crown all things. Amen. Well now, church, let's practice together this command we've been given by our King to love one another tonight in the form of foot washing. In this action, we remember his great love for us and we recall whose servants we are by following his example. Um, I know that some of you right now are incredibly eager to do this and I also know that some of you are filling with dread right now at the thought of foot washing. So I just want to invite us for a moment, take a moment, let's bring all those thoughts and emotions to the Lord and ask him tonight whose feet he might want us to wash, knowing that it may not be the person that we came in with. We're gonna have two different spaces in this room tonight, foot washing in the back and soaking in worship in the front. Some of you might be ready to go right now to our foot washing and others of you might need to soak in some worship and prayer and then head back. We have a bunch of foot washing stations in the back so please feel free to get up when you're ready, find your foot washing person and head back there. 
Once you're there, one of you will put your bare feet in the bucket and the other person can pour just a little bit of water on it and then wash and dry um, the feet and then you can switch. We have towels in the back as well, just so you know. If you find yourself without a foot washing friend but want to participate, I want to encourage you to go back as well. Some of our staff will be back there and we would love, love to wash your feet. When we're done, you can return to our seats and spend some time just soaking, hopefully in the love of God. Brothers and sisters, let us love one another as Christ has loved us. 